All right. Welcome to Chicago. We made it. Well, this is the Sidious Mag pre-race show ahead of the 2023 Chicago Marathon. Chris Chavez joined by Kyle Merber and Declan Murray making his uh, Sidious Mag debut. Former teammate of Kyle's. I guess, like, what's the connection here, I guess, Kyle, for the audience members who might be watching? Former roommate uh, when we were running professionally. Yeah. Lives in Chicago. Knows a lot about running. Does a lot of broadcasting already in the industry. Thought you should come out and tell us a little bit about Chicago. Yeah. We always need one course expert, like someone who knows the course in and out, and that's going to fall on you. But welcome, Declan. Uh, We are here at the awesome Bandit Running Store, 333 North Michigan Avenue. Uh, Tons of events taking place this weekend. Really kicking it off. It opened yesterday. A lot of the merch already flying off shelves. Bandit is a running apparel brand from New York City, based in Brooklyn. Kyle, you ran the New York City Marathon in all Bandit last year. What do you like about him? It's funny. I got my first pair of Bandit socks a couple years ago. A friend sent me some and was just like, what do you think? I was like, yeah, they're good. They're nice socks. Like, you know, now we've got sweatshirts. We've got uniforms. Love the half tights. I've raced marathons in their stuff before. And it just feels like the, I don't know, it's kind of like... We got in on the ground floor of something that's starting to really take over. It's been fun. And if we make enough noise probably online in some of the videos that we've already posted, people are already asking for these very limited edition Sidious Mag Bandit hoodies. So maybe we'll we'll offer them up to the public in the future. Yeah, come to the group run tomorrow and steal one. That's right. We've got a group run, 9 a.m. We'll be posting this as a podcast afterwards. So if you are making your last second plans, come on out to the run. The Bandit store is going to be hosting some portraits after the race. If you complete it, uh, come on in, get your an awesome photo from the likes of Joe Hale. Uh, to, and, yeah, no, celebrate the whole weekend with Bandit running. We're super pumped to be here. So by the end of the next hour, the goal is you're going to sound super smart around all of your friends because we're ready to geek out on the elite races taking place. And they're both set up to be pretty fast, I would say. So. I guess, what are you looking forward to the most? Well, sorry, Declan, what do you, uh, you've watched this race countless times. Well, I, I think one of the interesting things about this race is that it is, I think, the fastest race in America, right? It's a really flat course. The long straightaways, not too many turns. Um, it just really opens up the opportunity for a lot of Americans to run fast. Um, we've seen some strong American fields in the past in years where, the international field wasn't as good. We've mixed those together now. We have a year where we've got a great international field because people are chasing Olympic standards, and we've got a great American field where they're chasing not only Olympic standards but Olympic trials qualifying time. So I, I think it's that blend is where we're going to have something really special happen tomorrow and a good opportunity for some course records to fall. One of them used to be a world record. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Really fun. I do think that in 2023, Chicago is the marathon of the world marathon majors that is most intriguing. And part of that is just like where it's set up in the schedule. So a lot of the top Americans, it makes a ton of sense to come out in the beginning of October leading into the trials in February. It just like the timing of it works out really well. And if you want to build confidence coming out to the flat fast one, you know, before the championship race, this is where you get your momentum. So, uh, I would say the thing that I, 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 it's, we get caught up on times a lot. And from New York to Boston to Chicago, it's like, depending on the 40 degree swings of weather, what is 
a few minutes in either direction. People will run fast, but ultimately it's the matchups here that are going to happen on the pro side. Like we just have on the American men, on the American women, on the international men, international women, like there's so many good head-to-heads as you go down the line. Yeah. So speaking of weather, Chicago, famously the Windy City, that's what they call it. I don't think that's actually about the weather, though. No? It's not. It's actually politicians, but we can... (laughs) Blowing smoke up your ass. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I think that's it. Well... It's going to be a little bit windy. What, it, what as of right now? What is the <laughs> what is the weather report for Sunday, Declan? You've been kind of taking a peek at it every now and then. Yeah, I think we're going to start off around like forty five degrees in the morning, which is perfect. And and what when the elites finish, it'll probably be around fifty. So temperature wise, great. Not really expecting any precipitation, but I, I think the ideal thing here is we're looking at about eight to ten mile an hour winds. In Chicago, that's nothing. Yeah. Um, you do actually get a lot of protection from the buildings when you're going through downtown. And then um, the direction of the wind, though, is, I think, the most important thing. The one thing you don't want is a direct north to south wind. There's a lot of um, opportunity late in the race where you're just really the last, like, three miles. You're running north. You just don't want a ton of wind while you're running north um, at the very end. So as long as we, as long as you don't have that, I think... People are going to be fine with what with what you get from uh, from the wind. I was running up here to the store today, up north, and I was getting hit hard with the gusts. <laughs> I was definitely thinking about how terrible it would be in that situation. I mean, we saw a couple of years ago that the course ran slow, but then last year it ran pretty fast. And uh, right now, it just feels like across the city, vibes are really good. I'm sure like some people here who are racing just. You're, you're talking it up. It's kind of like, oh, this looks good. Like, yeah. You see the forecast and just you have good mojo going in. All right. So let's start to unpack some of the storylines. I've broken this off into a couple different segments. I want to start off with the U.S. women because that is we're looking at one of the deepest fields of the fall headlined by American record holder Emily Sisson. Emma Bates hasn't been scared to voice the fact that she believes that she is in 218, 219 shape and could take a crack at it. On top of that, I feel like, you know, we've got Molly Seidel returning for hopefully hoping to complete her first marathon since 2021, I believe it is. And, you know, all of this is gearing up towards uh, the Olympic trials in February. So the last time out, I think this is the perfect dress rehearsal. Another underlying storyline, Des Linden coming into this one as a master's runner for the first time ever going after a record by Dina Castor, 227.35, I think it is, which is not easy. So lots of intrigue here. What sticks out to you about this one, Kyle? All right, so if you asked anyone in this room to say who their top three for the Olympic trials are, it's the most fun game to play. Yeah, but yeah. 90% of people right now, and maybe that's different in a couple of days, but 90% of people would both have Emily Sisson and Emma Bates on their list. Right. Right? Like, I, th- I think... 100%. And it's funny the way you think of it, because neither of them made the team previously, yet everyone is going to put them in their top three. Again, like, God forbid someone gets a stitch, we're writing them off. <laughs> like, you're done. <laughs> that's how deep it is, yeah. You know, like, that's how quickly we turn on everyone. But the majority of people would put them in the top three. And Emma has been nothing but consistent. So, you know, just every single time she comes out, she crushes it. And just, she doesn't do anything except marathons anymore. Yeah. You know, <laughs> fully committed to marathon running. And then you have Emily, who is still 
brand new to the marathon, but after completely crushing it here last year and setting that American record, now we're just, you know, now now she's a lock as far as we're concerned. And and I I mean, being in Chicago and watching that race last year, I, I thought it was really interesting to see how relaxed she ran the entire thing because American record was on the mind, but it was let's wait and see. So like seeing her right around the 20 mile mark was when she hadn't even decided yet whether she was going for the American record, which was amazing. Like, obviously it's always on your mind if you're, if you're on pace like that to that, that it's, you know, it's there. And if you feel good, you go for it. But I'm interested to see how she'll approach this race when she's already the American record holder. Yeah. So she, I had the chance to chat with her at the press conference today and, uh, I'm a little annoyed with with the way the interview went because she, like she doesn't want to give you the headline that you want. Why why would she get the headline should be Emily Sisson is going after her own American Guarantees. record. Guarantees that she's going to try and break her own Help American us get record. Some clip. Right? Like we need to garner a little bit but no, she was just well there's a couple different factors. She doesn't have her own pace pacers for this one. Uh last year she had two men pacing her. This time around she's just going to stick with a group of women who will be targeting 219, 219, 30, um, which is still fast. Uh, and, you know, maybe from there she tries to find that extra 30 seconds in the, in, the, in the second half to get under her record. It'd be a smart way to run it for sure, but she's kind of approaching this as like she wants to get back to used to racing in a pack, and the fact that she's going to have Emma on her heels because Emma said that she's going to be going for with that group as well. I mean, we just may see the American record fall as a consequence of two really talented American women racing each other. Are we ready to get into rabbits yet? Well, really quickly, she also, you don't want to be the person to pay someone to break your record. Right. right? Yeah. You want, it's fine if you're there racing them at the finish and you get that head-to-head battle. And if that's a record-breaking race, that would be incredible. Like, I think that would be... That would be the story of the day, aside from a world record falling, is if an American record goes because it's a race, not because it's a time trial. Um, but let's talk rabbits. I mean, I'm going to get Matt going over here real quick. <laughs> um, well, so, so for those who don't know, Chicago is unique in the sense that they have rabbits here, whereas in New York and Boston, they do not. And so what ends up happening is we get a lot of rabbits, <laughs> arguably too many rabbits. Everyone's got their own personal, personal rabbit out there. And for the women especially, you know, that means that you have men li- literally running you to the line the entire time asking, you know, do you want me to go faster? Do you want me to go slower? <laughs> I mean, we did just see this in Berlin yeah. with the world record going down is, you know, I, he like stopped and walked with 400 <laughs> meters left. If I'm that guy, I'm still taking the 211. But um, those are points, <laughs> those are, yeah. like world, world rankings points. World yeah. rankings points. So I don't. I mean, I do. I I'm okay with one or two races on the circuit, especially Chicago being a flatter, faster course to have rabbits. But like limit the number of rabbits. We don't need that many groups. As you said, like, I want no, to It does feel like there's, like, five different races playing out. You're going to have Ruth Chepengedich, which we'll get to in a bit, going after potentially the world record. You're going to have the battle for the American record. You're going to have Dez doing her own thing further back. There's another pace group that Molly Seidel is a part of. So it's, it, it, 
you're gonna it's five different races it, it feels a little weird the camera guy who were like the moped driver who's got to be going up and down and finding everyone last year they didn't even show the women's race well it's tough because <laughs> they go off it you know they're all together and emily's five two she's surrounded by a few tall guys blocking the wind for her <laughs> you have no idea what she is and, yeah. and if yeah. you try you're gonna crash into somebody because you're in the middle of a pack yeah so so rabbits bad bad for the sport here uh, Limit the rabbits. Limit the rabbits. Can well, we get pace lights for 26.2 miles <laughs> instead? It just seems easier. We'd have to do loops, though. Yeah. And I don't think we want to watch that. So, uh, all right. So, if you are Molly yeah. and Des, what are you doing knowing that? Or, I guess, even better, I don't think they're going to, they're not trying to run to 18. No. Like, Emily definitely is, and Emma should be. So, what does Molly and what did Des, what do they do? I think Molly just wants to put one up on the scoreboard right now. Like, that's the most important thing. You wrote about it, I think, in the lap count. You just need, no, not a home run. Get on base. That's it. And, like, having one solid showing, like, I, I, would, I would take 226 as, like, a A-minus a day for, for Molly. I don't know if she would take an A-minus. I, I think it's, <laughs> yeah, maybe a little faster than that. But it's just, like, she hasn't finished a marathon since 2021. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, in speaking to her today, I think, like, she was in a really good place. She learned from the 20K that she did, I think. And so uh, I think Molly's coming into this one just hoping to also just get one on the board. It's a good it's a good momentum shift going into the next training block, and then you can focus on Orlando. She's such a good racer as well that I think this will be a good opportunity for her yeah. to get that swagger back for trials, right? Like, for her, she's just thinking, okay— if, if I'm feeling good, I'm feeling confident, I have all this time to still build to Orlando, but she's giving herself the opportunity to be there in a place where she's confident. You, just, you don't need a lot of, you don't get an opportunity to race a lot. So yeah, it's like getting one on the scoreboard, but it is getting a good one, right? You want it to be good. You yeah. want it to be within yourself a little bit on that front half. So you feel like, oh yeah, I had something left in the tank. If I'm not, if I'm not running 218, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be with them in February. I also think she likes the underdog uh, card. And now enough time has passed from, like, the Olympic bronze medal and just, like, all the the hoopla that comes with that just in the lead-up. We've seen all these major marathoners and how, much, how many appearances they have to make on these weekends and stuff. And Molly just, like, didn't take to all of that stardom so well. And now enough time has kind of passed. The shine is little bit off. I mean, she's still an Olympic medalist. I don't know. So. That article got a lot of steam. Exactly. So there's a great Runner's World article out there about her, but it's, I don't know, you kind of think of her as an underdog going into the next Olympic trials, and she she thrives off of that. Yeah, and I think even reading that article, it like that's a mentality she already has herself, and, and she's been able to switch that back on, which I think makes a lot of athletes just fight way harder. Um, it it's easy to like check out a little bit and and it's almost hard to turn back on when you know you're not at the top of your game. So knowing now though, hey, I'm not at the top of my game, but these other women are and I want to be there. I want to show that like I'm, I'm still here and it's not like I'm still relevant. Like I'm still the best. Like I'm going to be here and, and I'm going to make that next team. Yeah, like you just want to come out for the next four months or whatever it is. Just have a reason three, four months, like reason to think, all right, I deserve to be on that team and not do anything stupid in training in the next block because you're unhappy with the result here. 
Pivoting though, Dez, first off, weird that she's not at the Boston Marathon because I feel like that's the only place we ever see her race. It's well, cool or New York. She, I mean, this is her second Chicago, like first one in yeah. like 10 years or whatever it might be. And I said to her, I was like, it's what brought you back? And she was like, well, you know, I need, I want to get this master's record and this is a good opportunity to run fast. She drives off the championship style races with no pacemaker. So you would obviously lean towards New York or get ready for an Olympic trials. And that's what she's been doing this whole entire time. So this is a little bit different. Like even her talking about going after record, I've called it out to her. And I said, it's weird to hear you chasing a record because you're so anti-times. Like it's all about competing, but she's going to be kind of off on her own. I would think on this one, pretty badass to pull off a record like that. If she doesn't have her own pacemaker, but there's going to be enough people around her. 227 on paper, you would think like, oh, that's going to be easy for Dez. She did run faster than that, uh, than what the record was in Boston on a hillier course. And so I said, what would you grade the record on a scale of 1 to 10? And she said, probably a 1, but it's not going to be that easy. And so if you look at Dez's track record, yeah, maybe she hasn't run these crazy fast times. It's going to be close, and I think it'll be entertaining. So if you have the app and you're tracking athletes, just keep in mind and keep an eye on what Dez's projected finish time is going to be. It's going to be close, I think. And then for the other Americans in the field, I think right now it's proving to yourself that you deserve to be in that conversation. So thinking of Dakota Lindworm, Sarah Vaughn, Tristan Van Ord, Gabrielle Rucker, Diane Nakuri, Maggie Montoya, there's a ton of Americans right there in that like 226, 227, which right now doesn't put you in the conversation to say you deserve to be on the Olympic team, but come out here, drop three minutes, Beat a few of the women we were already talking about, and all of a sudden you're. You'll get three more minutes on the Sidious Mag pregame show next time. There you go. Um, all right, so let's talk about some of the women who will be potentially a little further ahead than the top Americans. And so we've got a really strong East African contingent in here. Ruth Chepengedich looking to become the first woman to win three Chicago Marathon titles, pull off the three peat. Uh, but it's it's also weird because you have these women on the start list. Ruth stands out with a 214 personal best, and you have it's so fast. a bunch of people who have run under 218 or 220, a lot of 218 women, but after Berlin is 218 fast, like it is still, it, it it's still, still is, fast. it's still fast, <laughs> but like even hearing how all of them reacted to what the world record is, they're just like, I guess we're going there now. Like you have a theory, Kyle. Well, first off, I just want to say I love you asking if that's fast <laughs> or not. You won't stop talking about trying to break your personal best, which is like a minute Three, slow or an, an hour, hour slower. slower. Yeah. Sorry. So I just don't feel like you should be in the position to question whether uh, or not that's fair fast, enough. So. Yeah. Um, it's all relative, and it's really, really freaking fast. But two eleven now being the new world record, it's kind of. I mean, it's super shoes have changed the game, and now that. Someone has gone out and upped the ante to 211. I'm sure someone like Ruth, who went out crazy fast last year. She wants to go out in 66 this year. So a little she, bit more conservative. She, yeah, she went 65-44, <laughs> which is which is 30-some seconds faster than what the world record pace was right. It was 66-20. It was what we saw in Berlin through the half. So it's, yeah, like, is it really that much more conservative? You're talking no. about three seconds. Yeah per mile so like not that much but at the same time um she's already been there and then 
managed to hang on, hang on, like air quotes, <laughs> for, for 2.14 and was 14 seconds off of the then world record, which was just like obliterated a week ago. So, Yeah, I, I do think that for her, you want to go out fast enough that it's in sight. I, I don't think she's going for 2.11. No. But, you know, getting under 2.14 definitely on your mind. But at the same time, I think this year versus past years, the presence of Safan Hassan. I love it. Completely. Because if you let up that last 5K, 10K, you've just let in one of the best kickers on the track, someone who dominated the late game in London. Safan Hassan, a rookie at the marathon. I'm curious. If the funny thing is her name's not even on this graphic of like all the top. Is Oh, no, no, there she is. Yeah, just, But she's buried in it. Which... Nine women under 219 yeah. in this field. So, I mean, if you're Safan Hassan, how fast would Ruth have to go out for you to say, maybe not today? Well, I think, I, I, would, I would say, I think that for Safan, she's looking at it like, how do I clean these people up at the yeah. end and, and go for the win? I mean, she's won London. You know, it's not like, it's not like she didn't just, she went and ran 218. She won the race. And, you know, we talk about having a million rabbits. She'll have her own. Yeah. And she'll be out there in a, measuring herself a little bit. I think if 65 happens in that front half, then the door is open. If 66, 66 high happens, I, I think that might be shutting the door unless she is within, you know, 60 to 90 seconds at the half. I don't think she's making up that much ground if they... I'm, not that 66 is really a measured effort. Like, that's pretty insane. But I think we've seen that Chep and Gettich can hang on to that. So if she goes out any faster, I think Safan's going to know, and then she's going to start moving. The thing that's annoying about the marathon, <laughs> it's too damn... No, uh, <laughs> you don't know what kind of shape anyone is in. No, they all lie to you today. And they, everyone's today like, at the I, press I, this conference. This is the best buildup I've ever had. Oh, yeah. Every just, time out. And it's like, I don't know. Like, someone here's lying. Time, <laughs> every time you have the best buildup. Um, but someone, like, the, as, as we said, there's so many women that have run under 219. I'm not saying it's, it's a two-woman race. Like, Dababa. And Zeba Dababa. You know. Former, former 1500. Former world record holder at the 1500. She opens up 218.05, her marathoning career. Finishes second to Amazayana in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. DNF's her second. And now it's like, we don't know what we're dealing with. Like, yeah. 218 to start. Who's to say that she's not now on that level to be also in that front pack with Ruth through the first half? I was teeing it up for you, but hit us with your theory about, like, why women's marathoners, you don't think 211's all that crazy. I think that 211 is crazy right now, but really quickly it's going to fill out. Like the time, like we skipped 212 and 213. We only have a couple of women at 214. And I think really soon that's going to fill out. And I think obviously the shoes play a huge factor, but there is an unbelievable group of women right now on the track who are doing things that we've never seen before. I mean, the world record is 14 flat for a 5K. <laughs> so. Like, there's this group that is up and coming and now moving to the road slowly. I mean, Faith Kip Yegan. When she makes it like there. Like, when she is coming, when 
the day is coming when oh Helen yeah. O'Beer is already there. Helen O'Beer is already there. Stefan Hassan is the already there. Like so, there's just this whole new pack of women that have been on the roads the last five years. And the thing that we've kind of seen with super shoes really consistently is that it helps middle distance runners way, way more because it's just the the foot plan, that ankle strength. They're able to stay up on their toes for two plus hours in a way that you weren't previously able to do with the old shoes. And the pace is and, favorable, right? Exactly. To and I was a middle saying, distance runner. And, you know, the difference of minutes is, you know, 15 seconds a mile faster at a certain point. And you're getting to a place where you're running five-minute miles, and in order to make five minutes in a mile feel comfortable, then at some point in your career, you probably need to have been able to run in that 14 flat to 14, 15, 5K shape, and just the amount of speed required to do that. No matter, uh, I think, you know, the old cross-country runners, the longer it goes, the better I am, they're moved to the trails, because... Five flat is <laughs> five, five flat is just you have to be fast. Oh, oh, you don't run on up like really high on your toes. You can't sprint. You're done. See you at Western States, you. baby. <laughs> this is a middle distance event now. Um, all right, so you're looking at Chepengedich, Debaba, Stefan Hassan. Any other dark horses out there for you? Uh, my dark horse pick is Magurtu Elamu. She was a late entry to the race which I always really appreciate because it's like, what were you doing? Why would you only just, <laughs> like, this week you decided you were going to run the Chicago Marathon? <laughs> Don't yeah, people like, train for these for, like, yeah. six months? Well, Savannah Zahn famously has only trained for six weeks for this one because she had the World Championships in Budapest. And so it's been a crazy – we just put up a whole podcast episode with her. It's hysterical. I, don't, I think it's the most I've ever laughed with a guest. Um, it's just – Detailing her, a little bit of her training, where her mind is at in terms of just what she wants to do next year, in terms of just the events in Paris. She's all over the place, but that's what makes her special. She only trained for six weeks, but she ran three races at World. A marathon work. Yeah. Yeah. It it was insane what she did. That was probably one of the most insane ways to train for a marathon. Nobody's ever tried it, but like we'll find out how it goes. I don't think anyone else should try it. (laughs) <laughs> like even if it works, like don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> horrible. <laughs> just, just run 150 miles a week. What's worse? I'm not sure. Uh, so the Gertu Elamu, uh, definitely apologies for butchering that, uh, was second to her, to Stefan Hassan in London and late entry and, you know, has run 218 on a couple occasions before. Her being a late entry to the race, there's kind of like two reasons why someone would be a late entry to the race. You dropped out of the race that you were going to do and you, you know, now need to find a new race or, you know, you got hurt during that last buildup. So now, you know, we'll see what, pro- what, uh, appearance fee money we have left to scrounge <laughs> up for you. Um, or you're just suddenly in such good shape that coach is like, we got to get you in a race. Like, yeah. so if that's what's happening and that's why she decided to come, you know, this is a, a multiple time to 18 runner who has mixed it up with. Someone who we're talking about winning. Yeah, and you're probably not getting like the big prize money or the the big um, appearance, appearance fee. So get but the prize money. You're going for prize money. Like yeah. you have to be thinking, I'm gonna be in the money if I'm gonna do this late because I missed out on you know a pretty decent paycheck by just not deciding earlier. I'm out on on appearance fees. Yeah, I, if, and. It's just like what's the deal with appearance fees? <laughs> it was just like whoever wins should definitely get paid the most. Yeah. <laughs> 
but There's I don't know. Just, or at the very least, like, tell us how much everyone was paid to be there. Because I feel like it'd make a lot more sense, some of the storylines as they unfold. Like, you know. They might not be. They just got a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, like, you're, you're very hurt. You're doing poorly. But then we see how many zeros are there on that paycheck. <laughs> it makes uh, more sense. My favorite thing is, for those who aren't aware of this, like oftentimes different levels of your appearance fee are paid out at different points in the race. So sometimes you might see someone like limping for 5K to get to 30K <laughs> and it's like, why? Like drop off your, and it's like, well. 10 grand. Yeah, like 10 grand every extra K. Like you're going to keep going. <laughs> All right, let's move to the other uh, fast people. The uh, men's contenders for the win i came into this weekend thinking that the world record was going to be under threat elliot kipchoge's 20109 which didn't get any faster in berlin which is what a lot of people were probably thinking it was like oh he's gonna run berlin try and lower that mark and then keep it out of reach from mr kelvin kiptoom you'd like to call him mr 201 mr I, 201 i like that nickname i kind of want him to run another like i want him to run 20108 so we can keep the mr 201 thing going because his first marathon that he ever did was the Valencia Marathon. 2125, I think. Yeah, like just insane <laughs> debut. Imagine trying something for the oh, no, first 53, time. 53, I think, yeah. And just being that 25 good 25 was at in it. London. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but Valencia, it's... Valencia is not a real place. <laughs> I haven't been there. I've seen it on a map. But, like, everyone goes there and runs so fast that I'm not convinced it's a real place until Kelvin Kipton kiptum put it on the map in london because for me like 201 in valencia that's fake it's not a real place everyone goes there and runs fast london i've been to <laughs> london's a real place and people also ran, run fast there but they also don't run fast sometimes yeah and the, the, everyone it, runs fast in valencia it's the way he ran fast in london which was unbelievable so he went out you know there was a big pack together for almost 25 30k and then he just it was like a shame that marathons aren't 27.2 miles because he was just getting faster and faster. His last <laughs> half was 59. Or his last. His last of the two um, was 59.45, which is just disgusting. Check the American record on the half marathon and put it in perspective. I, 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 and he actually hasn't run that much faster for just the half either. Yeah. So that's the thing is that he doesn't have as much of a – he doesn't have any track record before this he's just kind of been like officially 23 year old who just burst onto the scene and has just been hitting home run after home run in his two marathons so it's sort of like you have to wonder is like is he gonna do it again and like he doesn't sound like he's gonna be going after another 201 here he's more set on trying to break the course record which also has a nice payout so it'll be it's 203 45 from 2013, Dennis Cometa, who formerly held the world record. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you have to wonder, it's like, is a 203 all of a sudden, like, easy for a 201 guy? I don't think so. But I think that the challenge here is, like, who's going to push him in the race? He'll have pacemakers. But if you look at the field, he's head and shoulders over the next fastest guy at uh, 203.36. The reason why I want to say he's head and shoulders is not because of the time, but because of the way he dominated in yeah. London. I think that's like a really big distinction. It's not just like, oh, he ran fast a couple times and that's it, and those other guys weren't. It's like, no, no, he ran so fast in a race that no one else ran even close to it quickly 
as he did. And for me, that's the indicator of why he's such a heavy favorite. Yeah, well, he he kind of indicated, too, that, like, he's not in world record shape, right? Like, yeah. I don't know if he said it in those exact he's words. He's one of the honest guys, yeah. the, the most honest guys. The worst build of my life. because of the appearance fee. Yeah. <laughs> but to, to come out and be like, yeah, like, like this is still my goal. Um, but then we talk about how, how he ran it in London. Like, you've got to imagine that somebody who can close in 59 is going to approach like, oh, yeah, I, I came through in 62 flat. Like, that's going to be... It's like, does it feel easy? I, d- I don't know. I've never done that. <laughs> I would love to know what the DraftKings odds would be on Kelvin Kiptum right now because so many people skew heavily. And the thing about these new age marathoners is that they don't race anything but like their one marathon before this. So you get two races out of them and then it's just a bunch of question marks and they disappear for six, seven months. I'm yeah. going to throw you under the bus a little. Um, so before we started recording, Chris... We were talking about like the contrast. Oh, this is bad. This is real like, bad for me. Chogi and Kelvin Kiptum. Kelvin Kiptum was just like dropped from above, came out of nowhere, <laughs> just started running 201. So we're like, nice to meet you. <laughs> Huge fan. Uh, whereas Kipchoge, we like, it was we like saw the, him grow up. It was like the Truman Show. We watched <laughs> Kipchoge since he was a baby. 19, yeah. And now all the way grew up until, you know, the man that he is today. Uh, but Chris uh, Chris was like, like Kipchoge, like, has he even broken four on the track? <laughs> And I was like, he, yes, he ran three fifty. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad look. He's brain every, fart. It's been a long day. You were in like fifth grade when he was doing that. You know, probably, it was like yeah. so long ago. But yeah. um, anyway, yeah, he probably has run more world records in his life than there are recorded times for Kelvin Kiptum. Oh yeah, we'll yeah. fact check that. We'll come back on Sunday. All right, so people who can contend with Kelvin. Yeah, so I've. The next fastest guy on paper is Bashir Abdi, who's run 203.36. But you've also got the defending champion, Benson Caputo, who's run 204.24. Uh, and he's part of, you know, that training group with Evans Shabbat. Arguably probably, like, the strongest marathon training group in the world. Uh, I mean, all they do is win major marathons. If you're Benson Caputo, I think the approach here is like, yeah, let Kelvin Kiptum go take it out really aggressively and just... You can reel him in. Kipruto was not phased at all about racing Kipchoge in Boston. I don't think he ended up beating him, but, like, he was fairly close. I think he did. Yep. He was third in Boston. He took okay. down Kipchoge. So he wasn't scared. Wasn't Shouldn't scared. Be scared of Kelvin. Yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily think he is. So I think Kipruto comes into this one with a little bit of an edge, for sure, having been a you know, defending champion. You look at someone like um, DeWitt Woldy, who from... Uh, Oh, no, Seifu Tura from Ethiopia, one here in 2021. Like, I think I weigh a little bit more experience on the course as an edge for those two guys than Kiptum coming into this thing just looking to blast it in a solo time trial. Um, Maybe I just, this is like the middle distance runner in me, that I just think like people who have tried to go there and failed always just have this edge. So, like, Donacio Mento, <laughs> yeah, yeah. in my mind. He's a late He's, he's a late scratch, scratch from this yeah, race. But that, that's, that's yeah. like, the biggest bummer in my life. I had him highlighted on everything <laughs> because I just see him as someone who's going to run. Would have gone with Kip. 202. Yeah. Easy. Like, he's going to run 202. So that was the most sad headline for me because <laughs> that was my notes. Donacio Mento is ready, finally. After it was New York where he was just ran 
the hardest I've ever seen anyone run. Like, just ignored the fact that, like, humidity was going to crush everyone. And collapsed. Um, but I, I feel like there there has to be someone else like that yeah. that's just, like, they felt the pain of, the of like, going way too far and over the red line where, like, now they just pull it back a little bit. So this this I I was going to defend Benson for a second but now in that spirit I'll give my dark horse pick and it's funny cuz independently Chris had the same dark horse pick which maybe makes him the new favorite um Daniel Mateko yeah of the NN running team this yeah. is his debut marathon so you're like oh you know how is he going to beat these guys Kelvin Kipton yeah. debuted <laughs> in 201 yeah. yeah uh he was the rabbit for Kelvin Kiptum in London for when, 30K. So in terms of like a guy who's been there before, like obviously didn't run the hardest part of the race, but like he knows what that feels like and, you know, guided him there. And now he's coming out and finally debuting. He's run 58, 20 in the half. Like this guy, obviously not a scrub if you can run 30K to a one pace, but uh, just a good example of a guy who has been there before and has felt it. Yeah, he's run, yeah, 58, mid for all three of his half marathons. So relative newcomer on the scene, 25 years old, beat at the world champs last year on, on the track in the 10 K finished eighth. So yeah, I mean, he stood out to me as like, Oh, the reason why no one's picking him is because his name's all the way at the bottom of the list. And it just says debut. So like he's buried in there. Here's a different question to sort of like, do you think him could try the sit and kick tactic? Like, uh, and just like the way he blasts, like, a crazy 5K split, but Bruto does that same exact thing too in races that, all right, these guys are going to go together through 35K and then 35 to 40 is where we'll see that big move. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is a situation where we have enough rabbits that, you know, you just need one of these many 203, 204 guys to be willing to fall on the sword a little bit because you're not going to let someone run away from you. But yeah, no, Kip Bruto, like, for, you know, He's probably pissed that everyone's saying Kelvin Kipton is the favorite. <laughs> He's like, were you guys not here last year? Were you guys not in Boston in 21? Like, I'm the favorite. Like, I, I win these world marathon majors. And He's consistently up there, and he does do it by having these crazy last 5Ks. And so it is an interesting thing in which, like, their strengths do match up. What qualifies, though, as sit and kick in a marathon? <laughs> like, yeah. how late do you have to sit? <laughs> still qualifies as a sit-and-kick. Well, when you're a 201 guy, it feels like you can sit the whole race. Ask Mohamed Essa, who is in this race and lost Tokyo by one second. <laughs> he, he knows about sit-and-kicks. Uh, yacht kicks. <laughs> <laughs> so, another person making his debut, Wesley Kiptu, flying under a lot of people's radar. We got a little crap for not really writing about him in our preview. Did we? Yeah, well... Uh, we always get crap. <laughs> ben Rosario pushed me in the hallway and said, you guys left him out. Uh, he didn't actually push me. But, Trying to uh, let him fly under the radar he, here. He was, uh, he's going to plan to go out in 62 mid. So, like, for a guy making his debut, apparently he does all of his workouts in Flagstaff in uh, non-super. Because he's only worn the super shoes once in a workout and once at Falmouth. And he destroyed the Falmouth course record with, like, a historic race. So, like, someone like that, remember the name, I would just say. Like, Wesley Kipton might be up there as well. Um, now, I want to move to the U.S. men. Uh, because this one takes a little bit of explaining. Kyle, you're, you've studied up on this enough. So this is a major race for American men because as of right now, no one can go to the Paris Olympics. 
even if you finish in the top three of the Olympic trials, because we don't have anyone with the qualifying time of 208.10, I think. Yes, yep. this is complicated. Does yeah. anyone in the crowd want to take this one? <laughs> um, uh, so basically, there's the Olympic standard. This is like really good conversation that everyone should have with their loved ones. Uh, <laughs> so basically, the Olympic standard is 208.10. And what that does is when someone from a federation or country hits that, it essentially like unlocks a spot for everyone else to be able to go. So the American women are good. The American women, they're so good at running. Don't worry about them. American men, let's talk. <laughs> um, so no one has run 208.10. So basically what that means is that everyone who is at the Olympic trials, finishing in the top three is, does not guarantee that because those three spots have not been unlocked yet. So what we're really hoping for, there's more, but um, what we're really hoping for is that someone like Galen Rupp or Connor Mance come in and unlock some of those spots so it can essentially guarantee that an American finishing in the top spots at the trials would be eligible to go. Now, the complicated part is <laughs> you can also get in on the ranking and the descending order list. The thing is that we don't know that they haven't published that. We have an idea of a few athletes that we think are in that, but it's constantly changing. It's a lot of math. So we might be good. We might not be good. We might be good for a spot or two, maybe not three. Monday we'll know a lot. Monday we're going to know a lot more. There's certain athletes like Matt McDonald who we're like really cheering for this weekend, not even to get that 208.10, but if he just has, if he gets a double here, then he's going to be good on the ranking good and one, unlock yeah. the spot for everyone else. One last point I should say, in addition for rooting for people to run 208.10, is we are rooting for guys to run to 1130 because even if those spots get unlocked if you have not run under to 1130 then you cannot go <laughs> so you can run a marathon in orlando on february 3rd but you cannot go to the olympics at 12 p.m <laughs> yeah, so, so it's not gonna be fast if, in orlando if you ran, if your personal best in the, like this cycle is or you know to 31 and you win the olympic trials you don't get to go so for Too bad. there's only six men right now in the U.S. who have done this, and I'll say their names really quickly for you. It is Mance, Fobble. Not Fobble. Put some Rup, Rup. Career. Yeah. And there's one more. Shadrach? And, oh, McKinnon. McKinnon. No. Oh, yeah. Um, so the, if you're not... Uh, Simbasa has it. I he butchered it. So, Courier, Zenislasi, Simbasa, Kibet, McKinnon, and Kali actually yeah. are the, the the guys. So, not every, everyone I mentioned, wrong. Because <laughs> I just Googled it. So, anyone who is not one of those guys needs to run 2.11.30, either here at one of the other marathons that are happening between now and the trials or at the trials. Trials are at 12 p.m. in Florida. Good luck. It's going to be so fast. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's like... An extremely difficult thing to have to explain without a PowerPoint presentation. But good luck to the NBC announcers on February third if it doesn't get any easier after this weekend. All the American men who are not here are rooting for the American men that are here. That's like the big takeaway. Is there any like oh like I'm gonna I'm it's not going well. I'm about to run, you know. I'm I'm not gonna hit the standard. Do I just drop out so nobody I don't get that spot for someone else? <laughs> Connor Vance was like talking about that. He's like, this is gonna really suck if like 
I run really well here, unlock a spot, and then tank at the trials, and I don't get to go. Uh, but it's like you have to fall on the sword now and just like just check this box, and then you can focus on the trials. It's really complicated. Like the fact that this is their job, and sometimes they don't even know how this works is is just kind of crazy. Um, All right, so let's talk odds of guys who have a, a shot. To let's do set this. the over under at one and a half or two and a half to go to, to go the, under the to the Olympic or? standard. Yeah. One and a half. One and a half. A, a man, you feel good about Mance. I feel good about Mance. He's, he's run 208-16 here, going out hard and faltering a little at the end, but holding on strong. But he's he's planning on going out a little bit more conservative, knowing that this standard is needed. So I feel good about Connor. He's he's looking good, training well, feels good, best buildup of his entire life. <laughs> um, and then Rupp, the wild card. The reason Galen Rupp, who is historically one of the best American distance runners in history, is a wild card is because he's been struggling with these back issues over the last two years and forced him to drop out of the New York City Marathon after 16 miles. And then apparently has been having a strong buildup this time. He went to Flagstaff and was training there. Like He left his family in Portland and was there since August, uh, working on more biomechanical stuff which like at his age now i guess what, what is he 37 37, yeah. 37 um he's being i think a little bit more careful and like i mentioned to him i was like you know you, when you show up to these races you're constantly going to the front in it to win it does it change for a race like this where it's like you have to play it a little bit more safe and he kind of laughed because he was like no he's still gonna go for it but he's not gonna be dumb he's like there's a thing between like be running a smart race and then just going for broke and he's like i've done it both ways here there was one year that he actually didn't go with the lead pack and still managed to finish second and then there was obviously the year that he won it here so i think this is a last year if you watched the galen rupp interviews right the day before the new york city marathon everyone was talking about like this sounds like a man who's trying to convince himself that he's healthy enough to run this race and then today i feel like that man actually might be healthy enough to run this race. So I'm a little bit more optimistic on Galen. And 208 for him is not that fast. But all things considered, how the last two years have been, like it's going to be close. I think. Well, he ran what, like, it, it's funny because we talked about this before the show. He ran what we would consider a bad race for Galen Rupp. Yeah. At Worlds <laughs> and 209. And you're like, oh, that's still one of the Terrible. best times yeah. American has run. He, but he's years. What people don't realize, he stopped to stretch his back on the ground for like a whole minute. But like, that was a 208 right there for him. Like a chiropractor at mile 17. He got on the My table. My chiropractor, yeah. Jay Heller in New York City. Yeah. West 4th Street. Um, um, I do, Jay. Jumping back, I've said this before, but I love the contrast between running and cycling for any cycling fans out there. If someone goes out hard and like tries to break away from the Peloton, the announcers are just like, and it gets caught. Everyone's just like unbelievably brave effort. Like <laughs> what a hero. He really went for it. Valiant put his name out there. And then in, in running, we're like, what an idiot. <laughs> yeah. why Terrible you, idea. Why would you do that? <laughs> is there, Connor Mance is very high on his training partner, teammate Clayton Young, that he might be one of those guys who, runs under 208 he had knee surgery earlier in the year um put together a really fantastic build um i could see him being a little bit safer and trying to hit just like the 211 but if he does go for that 208 like it wouldn't be crazy to think he could be one of those guys as well i i don't know it's just sort of like it could he be there's no reason to try to run 208 
for him. But let Connor and Galen try to take care of that. For him, go knock out your 211.30, so that way when you're lining up at the Olympic trials, you're not saying, now I have to do it. And, and he ran 211.50 here last year, 211.50-something, and it was a really strong run. But to come back from surgery, very it's inspiring, real watching. I, I watched it yesterday. Uh, it was very inspiring. I was like, oh, yeah, like this guy's ready to go. Um, and I, I think you get that confidence back by putting yourself in a position to say, well, all I have to do is be top three, you know, assuming the spots get unlocked, be top three, and I can go. And um, may, maybe he does try and run a little bit quicker than 211.30 because if he feels really fit, he's not just going to sit on on that split. But, you know, I, I don't expect him to try and run 207. If you're an American man, you just you saw what Tijis Asefa did <laughs> in Berlin, and that is the bar. You don't... You, you got to be it safe, go get that 211.30, but also get under 211.53. The <laughs> women's world record. Yeah. All right, so are you taking over or under on one, one and a half? I think we only get one. You only think one. I think we get a lot of 211.30s. Because you've got Andrew Colley in there, Frank Lara. Matt McDonald. You've got, yeah, you've got, like, a number of guys um, who can go out and, like, dip under 211.30 for the first time. And I think we're going to see everyone run conservatively to make sure that you do that first and foremost. And then, you know, take their spots once they open it up for you. I'm taking the over. I think we get two. I'm taking the over as well. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be Connor and Galen. So I'm a hater. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, I, Someone I, has to play the bad guy. Uh, it just... I... Galen's interview, and I know you shouldn't read into it too much. I just like sometimes, like people, when they have a really good buildup, they're so, so confident. And he seemed more confident than New York, but he didn't seem like his old self. He was faking it. He was a really bad actor in New York. And he said it. He admits (laughs) it now. But I I think I'm rooting. Like, I obviously I want it to work out. I, I think that he would run a race that is putting himself in position to do that, even if it doesn't go perfectly. We should have, like, an FBI agent, like, watch these interviews and do, like... Body language Body language screening. assessment. Yeah. Like, lying. Yeah. Not fit. <laughs> sell, sell, sell. Sounds like a really good Sidious segment is just, like, get them, like, get the heart rate strap on, yeah. like, just go and see what we get. I like that. All right. So, I think that does it. All right. Predictions on winner and top American, both races. Go. Stefan Hassan, I think, pulls it off. I think, I, I, I don't know, I just feel good about it. Um, I think you're going to steal my picks. And then I'm going to say Emily Sisson. Uh, I feel good about her as well. I think, she can, I think she can just get a little bit under that American record. Declan? Um, I think Chepengedich is going to hang on. Um, but I, I do, like, I, I see Hassan hunting people the back half um and i i also am going emily sisson though from the american side i think emma bates will give her a run for her money though if i told you right now that safan hassan doesn't have to stop and stretch once <laughs> does that change anything it changes everything <laughs> <laughs> i'm going safan hassan uh right in the high after the interview that we just did um yeah i and then top american i'm going going sisson as well um, I mean, 
she's been in the 218 range before. I Emma's got a lot trending in the right direction. She said one of the workouts that she did before Boston, she ran 30 seconds faster this time around. So it was a uh, 200. And it was a 200. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, it'll be, it'll be tight. Um, I'm going to go copy your picks as well, Hassan and this, and we don't make it interesting. That's why we're bringing Sarah Sutherland or Sarah Masters onto the show on Sunday. Maybe she'll give us, uh, she'll definitely be on the Emma Bates train. All right, I so completely then, changed my pre-race pick because of your pick, so I couldn't. <laughs> all right, so, all right, I, I want to see a show of hands here on this, on the men's winner, basically. Kelvin Kiptum or the field? Crowd, who says Kelvin Kiptum wins? Okay, this is the majority. Oh, the majority. All right, and, and the, the field. field? Sure I take the field. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you take the field. I'm taking the field. I'm going to take Kelvin. He's just shown no sign of weakness yet. We have no reason to doubt him. The the reason to doubt him is doesn't that everybody has a bad marathon at some point and he hasn't had his yet. So like you're just trying to play the odds that that eventually he'll have the bad day. Um, is it going to be tomorrow? Is it going to be the Olympics? Like I don't know. For yeah, it's actually it? kind of crazy because like I agree with that point. Uh, but it's also because Kipchoge had his bad marathon like I think on his third one or second one. So like. Then he had another one, but it was like ten marathons later. So I like that. I like that point. So I'm I'm with. Uh, Who are you Declan. taking? I'm taking the field. But specifically, uh, oh, we don't have to. We don't, <laughs> we don't have, have to. to. We're just taking the field. I'm gonna take uh, Benson Caputo. I was going to take Benson Caputo. <laughs> <laughs> so make it interesting. Yeah, right. No, no. Um, I, I I'm gonna take Benson Caputo. I think he'll double. Um, you know, he I he taken has an opportunity. He has an opportunity to um, to win if Kiptum just does what he does. I, and I think um, for Kipruto, he's just going to have that opportunity to kind of sit back a little bit and it, see what happens. Top American, it's easy. Fans, right? You, you wow. disagree with me, right? Um, I think he's the favorite. Yeah. But I'm interested to see what we get from Galen Rupp. Um, I'm gonna make Rupp my pick, so that way I don't have the same pick as you guys. <laughs> yeah, and, and because I did just have a lot of confidence in him like two minutes ago. So um, no, but but I I I he's a 206 guy. He has had a couple bad goes. Um, he's won here. He's finished second here. They didn't. Those years weren't quite the international fields that we have this year. The depth here it's just insane. Um, but but I mean every major marathon like you look at this field and the number of them that actually finish the race is not that high. So um, I, I think Galen will he'll he'll show up and show out tomorrow. You go down the list and it's like everyone runs two hundred four two hundred five. Like what the <laughs> hell are we doing? Like everyone can do it. And I feel like Mance kind of has that mindset. Yeah. So I'm going Mance. But me too. It'll be fun. All right. So how to watch the race? Well, that's what a lot of people are probably wondering. It'll be. On NBC5 Chicago and Telemundo Chicago, they're going to provide complete live TV coverage streaming from 7 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, they've got a live stream at NBCChicago.com. But what I would say is you can pull that stream up and then mute it and <laughs> watch along with us. We're going to be going live on YouTube doing a watch along right here from the Bandit Running pop-up store, 333 North Michigan Avenue. Uh, so come on out. Watch with us if you're in town, um, not that far from the course as well, so you'll be able to pop out and catch some of the runners. Uh, we'll have the race available for watch as well here. Um, 
And yeah, so we got the watch along tomorrow. We got a group run. So lots of fun things happening uh, here in Chicago this weekend. Uh, Kyle, I guess like, uh, what do you? What are you looking forward to, I guess, outside of just, like, the group runs? Uh, yeah, uh, hot dogs and pizza. No, I, you know, I think the watch-along is really fun, though, because no one has friends who want to wake up at 7 a.m. and watch marathons <laughs> with them, and the idea is, like, we'll do it. We got the chat going. We'll be your friend. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's always a good time. All right, so thanks to Bandit for supporting all of Sidious Mag's coverage of the 2023 uh, Chicago Marathon and special deal that just got announced. I think literally, I think moments before they activated the code through the end of this month, use promo code Sidious15 for 15% off any order at banditrunning.com. So if you're not in Chicago and can't get a hold of the awesome Chicago collection that they've got, inspired by the local basketball team. Uh, and their success in the 90s. I don't think we're allowed to say. Uh, explicitly like, yeah. what, but uh, something along those lines. Red is in as well right now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's an awesome collection, but their fall and winter gear has also been uh, up on their, their site, and it's beautiful apparel. So check it out, banditrunning.com, and we will see you guys on the Sidious Mag Watch Along on Sunday morning, bright and early. I love tracking. And I love marathons, I love too. running. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks, everyone. And thanks to the people who came out and watched.